Provoke podcast is brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists, Marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy-to-use PR software. Get a free demo today at Notified.com. Welcome to Provoke Media's Luminaries Mentoring Circle. This is a series that we're partnering with Lippy Taylor on to provide the PR industry's rising stars access to today's leaders, in particular women, for mentorship and guidance. Today is a special episode that truly illuminates what we mean by luminaries. Uh, we again have on this episode two women who have been recipients of our most prestigious, most prestigious recognition, which is our Individual Achievement Award. So the two women we have here today, we have Karen Kahn, who is HP's Chief Communications Officer and Head of Public Affairs. Karen has more than 25 years experience um, in reputation and storytelling, both as a journalist and also as a corporate brand leader. She's responsible for connecting HP's social, economic, cultural, and techno technological truths. Um, we also have Maureen Lippi. Maureen launched Lippi Taylor, I think more than 30 years ago. Um, and her firm has, of course, been a pioneer in new approaches to marketing consumer and healthcare products to women. Welcome, Maureen and Karen. Thanks, Thank Arthur. You. And, you know, I want to just take a moment to say, you know, both of you have been role models and mentors to so many women in, in, in our industry. And I've heard that personally from mm -hmm. women in our industry. So it's a pleasure to have you both here today. Um, I want to Thank say- you. Thank you. Maureen, does this mean we're old? No. Okay. Yes, look, look at us. Do we look check. old? We I look old. Hope not. But, you know, no, we're no, not old. every time we give an individual achievement, somebody always says, wait a second, I'm not done with my career. And we always have to tell them it's individual <laughs> achievement, not lifetime achievement. So, right. Yeah. Right. So we, you know, so, so, so. Not you know, dead yet. Yes, you, you, you all both have, I'm sure, tons of, 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 of career highs up your sleeve. Um, so a great place to start, I want to go back to Karen's title. So Karen is HP's Chief Communications Officer and Head of Corporate Affairs. So I want to sort of ask a little bit about that cor corporate affairs piece and, and when was that added and what does that mean? Oh, thanks, Arthi. And it's really nice to be with you. I, I love these. Um, I love these sessions that you're doing. So corporate affairs is a is a little bit of a different take on corporate communications. And, and why it changed at HP is more of a recognition of moving sustainable impact and purpose and values into the communications brand and for us event function. And for us, it includes everything that we do that's around social justice. So it's all of our programs around climate action, equal rights and human rights, and digital equity. And for people that are in communications, you know, everybody always wants to work on these programs, but they're typically communications programs. And these are not. These are actually the programs that we're, that we're doing to, to drive meaningful change in the way that we decarbonize our supply chain, come up with the metrics around what does it mean to lead in, lead in human rights? Like, increasing to a million outcomes for workers and suppliers around the world. And in digital equity, again, it's, it's less about communications and more about creating educational outcomes and healthcare outcomes and job and economic outcomes. So to me, it's, it's an evolution of communications and an important, an important place for companies and brands. And I think for the kinds of people that might be listening to your broadcast, 
new kinds of jobs that evolve beyond just being strong writers and strong with media relations and strong with brand programs. I think it's I think it's exciting for our industry. Right. And so you all are, you know, communications is actually taking an active role in driving this change as opposed to simply communicating um, policies once they've been developed. You know, so I wanted to touch on this one piece that you said about thinking about new career opportunities. Um, you know, what role, you know, what kind of feedback are you getting from the market? I know Silicon Valley and Marina, I'd be curious to hear what New York is like, but in Silicon Valley, the talent crunch is worse than it's ever been. I mean, it probably, I mean, I'm hearing it's almost like, you know, 2015 levels, which was, that was the last time that people were basically desperately looking for talent. I have agencies telling me they're turning away millions of, of, of dollars in new business every month because they can't staff up. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, Karen, when you are talking to prospects, what do they think about, you know, the, the corporate affairs function as part of communications? And and also, you know, do you think HP standing around sustainability, around DE&I makes a difference for, for, for new job um, applicants? Yeah, I think it does. So, I mean, the UN calls this the decisive decade and people want to make an impact. People believe, you know, when you look at whether it's millennials and purchasing decisions, you look at customers and partners and and looking at the stands that companies take, you look at investors and ESG and the market cap and EPS of companies that have strong programming within, you know, it's called ESG. It's basically, we call it sustainable impact. And and these are are essential draws. And so as we're talking, not only to new hires, but even to our current hires that, you know, we're looking to, it's easier to retain people than it is to go out and necessarily bring people on, making a meaningful impact and being connected to your community in a way that that is positive, whether it's for the environment, for food insecurity, for privacy, you pick the policy. It's very meaningful and it connects people not only to the work that they do, to who they want to be in their lives and who they want to be in their communities. So, I mean, for us, it's very positive. And for this generation of employees, I think it's very important that they look carefully at the companies that are on their, you know, their hit parade of companies that they're interested in working for. And they take a look at what is that company's position around diversity, equity, and inclusion? What's that company? position around, whether it's climate change, food insecurity, digital equity, you know, pick your issue because, you know, part of what makes, you know, we all have, we're, our work and our lives are all blended and hybrid working is not going to go away. And so feeling like your job also helps you to self-actualize in the things that you care about, I think are extraordinarily meaningful. Right. And Maureen, I'm curious if, if you see that same trend amongst your, your talent at your agency in terms of which accounts they want to work on, the ones that people are gravitating towards. Well, you talked about how difficult it is to, to find good people. Right now, it's like a blood sport. It is so difficult. And it's not only how much are you going to pay me and um, can I work virtually. It is very much um, understanding what does your company stand for? What are your values? How, what is your, what is your feeling on diversity? What, what is, what is, what is your data on diversity? This comes up all the time. So it's, it's very difficult. So, but not only are candidates asking those questions, but also our clients are asking us for, um, again, not 
do we believe in, 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 in diversity and inclusion, but what is our record? How many people do we have? Break it down. For some of our companies, particularly in the pharma category, we have to give them monthly reports. And obviously we didn't start in the place we would have liked to have been. Our numbers were down. Um, they were nowhere where we wanted them to be, but they are slowly getting up. And um, again, I think when companies like HP go to agencies and say, we would love to hire you as, as our new agency, but be sure when you come in that the group you bring in is diverse or, or don't come here. Um, that changed the game. It changes the game for all of us because its diversity is based on profitability and success and moving forward. Um, it certainly is not the main reason, but it is, it's a stimulus to agencies to start thinking of this as that, that they must evolve um, or they, they risk really shrinking not only their candidate pool, but mm -hmm. also their pool of clients. I mean, it's really serious out there yeah. and we have to be accountable and everybody in the agency has to be all in. It has to start at the top, but it has to include mid-management and all the way down. It has to be embedded in the, in the, in the ethics of, of the firm. So it's very serious right now. And I think we're all trying to do better. Um, it's complicated and it's complex, but um, when I read about Karen and what she's doing, it's, it's so inspiring to me as an agency leader. Um, and I'm anxious to, to uh, talk to some other agency leaders about what Karen's doing. Honestly, Karen, it, thank you. you. That's, that's so great. Thank commended. you. Yeah, that, I, that's a great pivot actually to talk to Karen a little bit about, because Karen, I, I, just in case people don't know, right? I mean, HP was, very early to put a stake in the ground around holding vendors accountable. Yeah. Was that 2015 or 2016? 2016. 2016. And and if you could, maybe Karen, it might be a great chance chance to kind of talk us through how that evolved from 2016 to today. Because I will say in diversity conversations I had with people 10 years ago, agency leaders would tell me until clients demand it, it's right. be really difficult exactly. to change. And yeah. I'm curious, Karen, if since its evolution, have you had some of your peers at other organizations come to you and ask for some guidance on how they can implement something similar? Yeah. And Maureen, I love the way that you're thinking about it because you fundamentally can't, you can't look at balancing your workforce because a client has asked you to. It, it has to be a business imperative and it has to come from within or else it's not sustainable. You won't drive right. systemic change. You'll drive temporal change because, you know, you need to have stronger representation from one, you know, um, underrepresented group for a specific account. And, and we look at it much more holistically. And, and we certainly, although it's interesting, we've learned over time. In the beginning, when we challenged our agencies and said, you know, Tell us where you are today and set your own goals. We didn't set quotas. We said, mm -hmm. set your own goals. We believe that the most innovative work is going to come from diverse account teams. So we want to see more representation of um, Black women in senior leadership, of Latina women, of Asian women in senior leadership. We want to see more women in general in senior leadership. We want to see more creative women in senior leadership. So tell us where you are and tell us what your goal is for the year, and we will hold you accountable. And, you know, we've been doing that 
like I said, for the last five years. But before we did it, we looked internally. We had we had our own issues within HP and had to rebalance many of our own numbers. And we're still on a journey. We're far from perfect. Um, but I think in general, our agencies, I'll call out one, Edelman, um, has done a really fantastic job of, of not just um, adding more um, gender and racial balance to their account, they took it as a as a way to drive systemic change, and mm-hmm. um, uh, you know they have a head of diversity and inclusion within the agency, um, and they've taken it to heart, and they hold themselves accountable. We don't have to hold them accountable anymore. That's that's sort of no longer our job. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have done similar programs across the company. We have a, a program in the legal field, and that one is a little different. That one was a little bit more of a stick instead of a carrot. Um, That one was, if you don't demonstrate racial and gender um, equity on on our legal teams, we will cut your fees. And that was a little different. Um, We got a a good outcome, but again, driving change has to come from within. It has to be part of your culture. It has to be your values. And you have to believe that you will create better innovation and more sustained relationships and be, be a better business by by doing this. Mm-hmm. And that that's always been our belief. And in, so in 2021, are you all still going to publish the metrics for your agency? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So we publish our sustainable impact, annual sustainable impact report in a couple of weeks. And it includes everything across uh, all of our ecosystems, our supplier ecosystem, um, our procurement ecosystem. You know, it's for us, it's, it's systemic across the entire company. It's not limited to marketing or communications or legal any longer. So, which which it has to be if it's not all inclusive in the entire company it's just it's not going to work and certainly you have proven that and you that which is why i'm sure it's systemic all throughout the entire company but it's and a journey. everyone is very yeah. clear on the let's let, let let's i want to take a moment actually to acknowledge the announcement that hp made here mm-hmm. i think it was last week So basically, HP announced um, its intention to be the first Fortune 100 tech company to commit to gender parity in its leadership. And and Karen, I'd love to hear a little bit from you around how HP plans to achieve those goals and any lessons or best practices that PR agency leaders um, or even team leads um, can borrow from what you all are doing. And Maureen, I'd love to get your take as well. And and I say this with the context of I've been looking through our best agencies to work for data the last couple of weeks. And one thing that's still true men in our industry and in PR industry are still overrepresented at every level above VP at agencies. Yep. They also are way overrepresented in terms of those making over 200K um, as opposed to you know, their overall makeup of the workforce. So men are, are, are still the highest paid in our business and they are still most overrepresented at leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that backdrop in mind, Karen, I'd love to hear a little bit about what HP is doing to achieve its goals and any lessons and best practices that the PR yeah, agency can borrow. For sure. So our human rights goals were part of our sustainable impact 2030 goals. So what we decided to do was look out this is the decisive decade and look out over the next, although now we're practically in 2022. So it's eight year goals. 
so that we could be more ambitious. Because when you set a goal that's that's one or two years out, you become all about, they become extremely tactical and how you're going to you know reach on your MBOs and, and checking dashboards every 30 seconds. So we decided to drive truly systemic change across the company. Let's look out over a broader time horizon so that we can be more ambitious. So we announced a wide variety uh, on, on Earth Day of climate goals, things like becoming net zero by 2040, becoming net zero by 2030 across strategic parts of our business, like our supplies business and our services business, announcing big reforestation goals and so on. In human rights, we announced a series of goals around diversity, equity, and inclusion, around human rights, which you noticed around worker empowerment. And one of them was, yes, increasing the representation 50-50 of women in senior leadership. Um, and that was a big one. And that that's a that's a these are cultural issues at HP. So I, I can't say it's not that they're a hard sell, but you have to know that over an eight-year time horizon, how are you going to get there? And our third series of goals that we're going to announce in two weeks are all around bridging the digital divide through digital equity, both in education, healthcare, and economic opportunity, because ultimately those areas help to um, eradicate poverty. So what have we learned? So we've learned that employees deeply, deeply care about these goals. We have learned that you mentioned um, when we were talking privately about a couple of companies that came out with some surprising positions around um, um, sort of non-political, being non a political, <laughs> not social justice oriented in the workplace. And, and I would say um, when you look at our goals, we probably would not fall into that, um, that camp um, to call out one of those companies. Um, you know, we believe in policy, not politics. So we don't view these as political issues. We view these as policy issues. So some of the areas where we're advocating around have to do with women in leadership, women in technical leadership, diverse representation, you know, across technical and engineering ladders and so on. And, um, you know, these are things that, again, these are our, these are our values. And for people that are looking for jobs and, and looking at the kinds of companies that they want to work for, again, I would say, look very carefully at the hiring practices and the recruiting practices and the cultural practices of the kinds of companies that, that you're looking at. Each of these goals was chosen with a lot of purpose and a lot of ambition. I mean, I don't want to say I'm nervous about us achieving them, but if they're ambitious goals. They're not going to be yeah. easy to achieve. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and that's that's the intent. They're, they're far more ambitious than a lot of the goals that agencies have been sending me, right? Which is like, I mean, I, I think most of them are somewhere along the lines that we want to have our, our entire workforce be about 25% people of color. <laughs> Um, right, and, and that's not even leadership, right? That is specific, that's the whole workforce. And, and Maureen, this might be a good chance, to, I'd, I'd love to get your take on, on these stats that we're finding and, and that men are overrepresented in leadership positions, um, you know, definitely above VP and, and it's staggering. I don't have the exact numbers in front of you, but once you get to the partner level, it's staggering. Um, and then also, also men are well overrepresented in the highest pay brackets as well. Um, Maureen, any thoughts around what the industry can be doing. It's 2021. We're still dealing with this um, to help address some of this. 
I think just in terms of of bringing more women into the public relations category, that's something that's on the agenda of a lot of agencies. And what we're doing is really visiting a lot of top colleges, um, particularly those that are that have very strong communications fields. And we're really building close relationships with them and trying to really educate women about why public relations and communications is such an exciting career opportunity for them. Um, we, unlike most agencies, if anything, our, our, our representation is, is lacking in, in men. We're always looking for new men. Um, so it's, 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 it's hard. I mean, it's just, it's, it's complex to get women. It's complex to get women of color. It's just, it's difficult, but we have, I think it's incumbent upon us to make our industry look exciting and look like a place where, or an industry where you have a real future, where you can have set goals and you can attain them. And it's also an industry where you can be, you know, you're, you're the, the, the pay parity is there and you can, you can feel that you can be successful. So as an agency, we're doing everything to, to find more women, but also to find more young men to get into the industry as well. But that's Lippy Taylor, that it's just, it's, it's our, our, our makeup is we've always been an agency that's um, about marketing to women. So there are a lot of women in right. the company, but we're looking for, um, for us, it's, it's the diversity and, and the inclusion that we're really working heavily on right now. Right. It's, it's difficult. Yeah, because I mean, the data that we see, right, is that women join the PR industry. I think they make up about 75% um, of the industry as a whole. It's, are they staying to make it through to those top ranks and to make it to those highest pay brackets? And Karen, for your position, you know, you, know, you, you of course are our are, are mainstay on our Influence 100, which is the top CCOs and CMOs from around the world. And Karen, there, five years ago, it was 40% women and 60% men. And I think just last year, I think just in 2020, women, just edged out men on, on, on being in positions like yours. And I think that's promising, right? That women are sticking with the industry and they are making it to those highest levels. I'm curious to hear from both of you, do you think some of the changes that have been made in the workplace as part of this pandemic, whether that's more flex time, whether that's having your own schedule, whether that's integrating your life into work in a way that we never did before. As I mentioned, I've been on podcasts where people have helped children with math problems, right? I mean, do you think that will stay? And do you think that will change what women, you know, the possibilities that women see for themselves in our business? Well, I'd say a couple of things. I think that women are leaving the workforce right now in a in a really troubling number. So that that really concerns me. Um, I would say the other thing too about women that that do what we do, women or men, is I think that too many people focus on communications. And I'd say we need to be looking at MBA programs. We need to be looking at lawyers. We need to be looking at accountants because just because we tend to be good writers um, and strong relationship builders and strong storytellers doesn't mean that we're not business people first. And I think sometimes communications people don't realize that. And maybe in the past, men have gotten this quicker than women and, um, and thus a little bit of that lack of representation. I think the strongest thing that, that early career people can do is learn to read a balance sheet, understand an income statement, study investor relations, join NERI, become a business person first, 
and a communications person second. That's how you actually earn a seat at the table because you're, you're able to speak in the parlance of business while putting the lens of narration and communications over what you do. I mean, my role on, on our executive leadership team, and, and I feel very grateful to be there. I mean, we have 55,000 employees and we have 11 senior leaders and I'm one of them. And I view myself as I am, I am the company's storyteller. I'm our narrator and sometimes I'm our conscience. And I have to be able to say, that's going to blow up our reputation. We can't do it. We're not going to do it that way. We can't do that. Um, and that's, you know, that's, it's being a business person. It's being a communications person. It's, it's, it's understanding policy and legal and, you know, our supply chain and so on. So I actually just hired um, our first lawyer to join the team. So, you know, I just think that there's a lot of very diverse experiences that can go into doing what we do. And, and that's, what's going to make our profession grow and be more prominent and certainly have more senior women that I think are, are going to want to hang around. Karen, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that was brilliant what you just said. And it's something that we're starting to think about because we're, we're having trouble, you know, finding the right people for different positions. We've, we've hired over 45 people just over the summer and, and in the, actually in the last, in the last eight months. And we too are looking at people that don't come out of public relations because we have to, and it makes so much sense because they bring innovation, they bring experience and they bring you know, a completely different way to look at innovation. So um, I couldn't agree with, with you more. And I think it's something that, that, that our industry should be talking about and looking at because we just can't find the amount of people and the right people. Um, and we're going about it all wrong because we're looking for people that have public relations and communications and media experience and social experience. And there's a whole world out there of talented people who we should be bringing into our industry. So I absolutely agree with you. And I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's what we're all gonna have to start doing because, and, and the sadness is, you know, like one out of four women have dropped out of out of the, the out of business um, during the pandemic, and we've got to get them back in, but we don't have to be looking specifically for communications people. Could not agree with you more. You know, I, I want to maybe address head on. You know, that this attrition that we're seeing with women in the workforce, um, specifically, let's looking looking at it at comms. Um, so, you know, I, I did a, a, a series recently for International Women's Month around what the last 12 months have been like for women in our business. And, you know, initially it was supposed to be a one-part series. I thought I'd get some anecdotes and some quotes. Once I put this call out there, the, <laughs> the stories just poured in. And these were heartbreaking, raw. I mean, they were, I mean, just how raw they were is what struck me. I mean, women basically saying that they were like, they were screaming into the night. They were up at 2 a.m. crying, right? Because they just couldn't manage it all. Um, I think the New York Times actually did a similar piece that looked holistically um, at, at all sectors. And I think they called theirs the primal scream, which yeah. I, think, yeah. I think pretty much nailed it. 
And, and so, you know, our companies, you know, like HP, like yours, or, or, or Maureen, like, like agencies like yours, looking a little inward and saying, how can we make our business in the future more sustainable for women? Because unfortunately, women still bear most of the childbearing, you know, not childbearing, child, you know, care responsibilities. Many of them bear a lot of the domestic responsibilities in their homes. And yes, I mean, it seems like a lot of them hit a breaking point in 2020 where they said enough is enough and I need a workplace that works for me. I, I had one woman say to me, that work from home means the world to her because she can get a load of laundry done on a Wednesday afternoon. It's a small, <laughs> tiny thing that adds up. Little things. Yeah, and so on Saturday morning, she's not doing a whole load of laundry. Now, you know, of course, there's a gender equity thing here. Men need to take on much more responsibility in the home. But, you know, looking at where we are right now, what can we do as companies and agencies to make a more equitable workforce so women aren't dropping out? Yeah, it's... Um... The primal scream. I know when I read that, I was like, "Yes, that is exactly how I feel." Um, it's. I mean, it's it's really tough. I um, from an HP perspective, we're doing a lot for both women and men. I mean, we started these these weekly at the beginning of the pandemic these weekly spirit emails just to sort of keep people's spirits up. That you know what, you don't have to be on camera every day. It's okay to say. I can't do this meeting. It's okay to say, you know what, we've already talked about this multiple times. This meeting doesn't even need to happen. It's okay to say my workday needs to look more like this. It's okay to say, you know what, I just need a little bit of time off because I'd rather give people time off than have them, you know, leave the company. I think that employers have had to be, have had to become and will continue to have to become extraordinarily flexible and adaptable and resilient to what what the workforce is going to need, because I hate to say this, it's not going to change. Hybrid work is here to stay. People are going to be going into offices to collaborate, but the, the time of people coming in and sp spending eight or nine hours in the office is for the most part over. And so helping people to create a, a, a space of what their work is really going to look like um, in a way that feels comfortable and it feels very different to different people um, is, is essential. And for us, some of it is things like having better cameras, having better audio, having better video, having a better experience around your office space so that people don't have this stress of feeling, you know, chained on their camera all day, every day. Some of it's big things. Some of it's actually just very small things to, to decrease the amount of, of stress that people have in their lives. Absolutely. One of the things also um, that we're focusing on is neurodiversity, um, because we have found out that we have a number of people with, 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 with different um actually with different challenges, but they're brilliant people and they're people that we want to make sure are happy in the environment. So we're, you know, we're, we're interviewing them. We're finding out that they need more quiet spaces. So we have certain areas where they are working in. Um, we're, we're also very um, concerned about mental health, particularly coming off the pandemic. And we have, we have therapists on staff 24 seven for people um, from Libby Taylor who just need to speak to someone and that is and what we're finding it's you know it's people from the top and and as well as entry-level people you have we just have to make sure that we're thinking about every aspect of their lives and trying to help them with anything that could be causing them to maybe not want to come into the office one or two days a week um, but I think Karen hit it on the head it's it's about a flexibility 
And it's, it's really understanding what will motivate people to work better, feel more comfortable, and feel really good about the company that they're working for. Because retention is, is, is such an important thing for us all right now. So it's, it's, it's challenging, but we all have to put our heads together and, and make all our, our um, offices just more inviting and, 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 and more comfortable for our for our colleagues and sometimes do you guys find this just putting it just talking to people and putting a name on it like I understand that you feel incredibly stressed mm-hmm. and like you can just feel people or absolutely I, I know today you're not feeling motivated today I completely understand that you know what here are a couple of things that you can do you know what don't do any zoom calls or turn off your camera or go take a walk or go yeah Go take your kid and go to the park. Like sometimes it's just recognizing that this is really, really hard for people. And I think for me as like a leader, I think the biggest thing that I have learned this year is, is humanity. Mm -hmm. Just like being vulnerable. I always used to think that like as a leader, you know, you're just Mm -hmm. supposed to be strong. You're just supposed to, you know, show up and like motivate people. And, um, I never liked when people would like ask me how my weekend was. You didn't ask me about that. I'm your strong leader. And I found that this year, the veil of all of that, you know, has come down and just talking to people, just talking to people as, as true human beings in a, in a empathetic and vulnerable way Mm -hmm. has like broken through in a way that, you know, when I think what are some of the benefits, the, the possible, you know, good things that have come from this, for me, it's, it's really, it's, it's a different kind of leadership. And mm-hmm. I think for people, it's actually, it's, it's much more connected. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so curious to see what kind of data and research will come out of how leaders changed as part of this pandemic. We right. actually saw some research that were saying that we are now seeing the introspective CEO that, you know, it used to be out, out, outward and bravado. And now because of the, I mean, everybody went inward, right, for the pandemic. Wow. And I saw, you know, something that was saying that, you know, it's kind of transformed how leaders are, are communicating to your point and showing some vulnerability that they didn't before. Um, I think our industry is in complete flux and I don't think we will know how things will shake out. Karen, I am in your camp of, I think the nine to five work week is done. Um, done. Yeah, I think the West Coast will definitely probably take the lead on that. And then I think we'll see that ripple out throughout the rest of the country. Um, any other, I know we have to wrap up now. So any other closing thoughts? I want to just give you and uh, both Karen and, and Maureen a chance to, to say, what would you say to, to anyone who's, who's either, you know, maybe wants to be a leader, they're not sure whether they want to stay in the industry. Um, anyone who's considering, you know, as you mentioned, there's people outside of PR that should maybe take a look at this, this sector. Well, I mean, maybe I'll just end where I started, and that is about culture and values, because I I think that there are more than enough great jobs out there. I would say be very selective in the roles that you look at and the companies that you consider as employers of choice. Look at their values, look at their culture, look at who they are, look at what they stand for, believe in their purpose, um, and when you take a job, intend to stay there for a while. I think I, I tend to, I see a lot of CVs these days of, you know, a year, a year, a year. And I think to make an impact, you need to be able to stay someplace for a little bit of time, you know, kind of a minimum of, of two years. And so choose your next job carefully and, and make sure it's, it's really a winner for you. 
I think, Karen, that's a, especially for the tech sector, where as we both know, people jump around all the time. And Karen, I think that's testament also to your team, because I know you have, have you have one of the most stable teams that I've seen in this business. So, so kudos to you for doing that in, in a sector where it's really difficult. Um, Maureen, what would be your closing thoughts? Well, I think, you know, again, just it's, it's the culture that, that you develop at your company. And I think culture at Libby Taylor has been something that I have worked on for, as you so rightly said, for almost 30 years. And building a culture of trust and a, and a, and a, and a culture of respect and really making sure that people feel that every single day with the decisions that you make. We now have um, unlimited PTO, which, which has really made people feel that the company understands that they are stressed, they need time, and that we respect them. We respect their work. We know they're gonna get their, 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 their work done. We also have, um, there are hours in, on certain days, three days in the week where we just, everybody shuts down and we, do not want anybody on their computers and they really are doing that. So I, you know, all of these things work. They make people feel that the company cares about them, but again, it, it, it goes back to the culture and the culture of, of, of a culture of listening, listening to people, understanding what motivates them, understanding what their needs are, understanding if they need to be in an office by themselves, all of these things matter. Um, and, you know, again, just, we, we have to just be focused on creating the best and the best culture we possibly can and and listen to people and make sure that we're that we're you know allowing them to to have where we survey them and we find out what are the things that are working for them and things that may not be that we're just kind of oblivious to because we're all moving so fast. So I think the the you know the vision moving forward is empathy and humanity. And just creating a culture of belief and a culture that we we believe in our people and we're we're listening to what they need and want kind of support that companies like Lippy Taylor can give them. Um, obviously, we're so much smaller than HP, but um, we 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 have to continue to listen. Right. Well, well very well said, Maureen. And thank you, Maureen and Karen, for joining us and having such an important conversation. And I think hopefully this will be one of many as we are at, a, at an inflection point right now. Thanks, Arthi. Thanks, Arthi. And Karen. Great meeting you. been listening to the Provoke podcast brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy to use PR software. Get a free demo today at notified.com.